Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Trevor Bohm and I will be your host. Every week or so, I try to get myself a fascinating human on the mic for you, someone who looks at the civilized world just like you do and says no thank you. Someone who wants to break some rules, to lead, and to bring their unique vision into the world. Someone for whom the status quo simply will not do. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. Please dive in. Hey, Uncivilized family, this is Traver Bohm, your host of the Uncivilized Podcast. And today I have one of my favorite humans on. Her name is Yannette Thomas, or Dr. Yannette Thomas. Doctor as in, I like to joke, I think she has like nine PhDs. I may be making that up. But she's smart as a whip and consults for the NIH and the WHO and has been a social epidemiologist for over 20 years. So Yannette loves to look at disease and how disease plays a role in society and then loves to look at society and how society plays a role in disease. And I thought, huh, we have this virus per se going around the country, going around the world, and I would love to get an expert's opinion on it, one who doesn't work for Fox or MSM, who doesn't have a political agenda, one who's just going to tell me the facts and speak it to it straight. And if when you hear this, you'll realize that Yannette doesn't fuck around. Yannette is not that happy with the leadership of this country, and she has some really great insight for us on how we can turn the tide with corona. So give it a whirl. Yannette Thomas, go for it. Cool. Ready. We are live. Yannette awesome. Thomas, it is a pleasure to see you again and to hear from you. For those people listening, Yannette and I go way, way back. She's been making fun yeah. of me for years. And so I wanted to bring her on because she is, a, you are an expert in a field of misinformation and the people we listen to are only the most popular. Uh, I tell people that you have like, you're like a doctor nine times over. You run the UN, you started the CDC. Uh, like, I'm, no, you know. I don't. So, so first of all, I didn't, didn't do any of those things. Traver, thank you very much, Mister. I'm gonna go swim with sharks. Um, <laughs> I have to talk about that, by the way. Um, so, so I adore you, and you. Um, I, I, I put the the one thing I like about your body are your ears, because they you're the only person that person that I actually know physically know was able to touch your 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 cabbage ears. I uh-huh. mean, you know, I see boxers, and and I'm like, why are these people having? It? Now I know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so fine, we got over that. I adore you. So, one of the things, you know, before we started, we had a bit of a. Uh, a tiff over you said I'm in California and I've just come from Colorado. People in California are uptight. Colorado, nobody's wearing masks, and I I had a you know a hissy fit. Like what? Yeah, wearing masks. We are in a state of crisis mm. that we've never we haven't known before. And I say before I know in in in. The um, 1916, 1918, the flu pandemic, um, that was amazing. This is different because back then they didn't know as much as we do about viruses. Right. And even saying that, I want to say that we don't know a whole lot about viruses. We know a lot, we know a lot, but there's a lot we don't know. Right. And here we are 
at a time when we are significantly much more evolved since 19, 1916, 1918, and we have greater knowledge. When simple things we need to be doing to mitigate our risk, like fundamentally washing our hands, mm -hmm. wearing a darn mask wherever you go, because I'm not talking to you face to face, we're on Zoom, but if I were sitting in front of you face to face, you may not see it, but I am spitting at you all the time, mm -hmm. and you me. Mm -hmm. And so you will say, well, Trevor, we were together, I'd say we were together. I know where you were just two minutes ago. And, but then you're like, you know, I don't know where you were and I don't know who you talked to. We, we know each other's habits. We know we're clean. We do the right thing, but we're interacting with a whole universe of other people. And we have these concentric circles mm. with those people with whom we, in, in people we interact and they have their own concentric circles and the other people have. And so it's a series of interconnected social network. Okay. Diseases thrive in social networks like that. And it's especially when you have a virus like coronavirus, like this particular strand of coronavirus that is transmissible via aerosol on surfaces we touch, etc. Okay, we figured out surfaces, we, we're keeping surfaces clean, we're washing our hands. But the medium of aerosol transmission is something we're still trying to figure out. Mm -hmm. Just saw a study, some studies out of nature showing they're testing aerosols and they're saying even, even when you're in the same space with someone who is susceptible, you probably should be wearing a mask. Okay. Because we're trying to figure out when they talked about people singing together, yeah. people, that's why they've given us six foot difference. That's the, the minimal so that we won't spit. But there are some one, one or two studies showing that actually it goes further than that. Yeah. The thing about science is that we have to replicate everything to be sure that it's not a one-off. And right. that's why it takes so long. Somebody right. does a study four or five of us have to go out and do the same study to be sure we get the same results. Yeah. Then we say, aha, it's real. Yeah. It's taken that long with aerosol and we're getting more and more studies. That's why we must wear a mask. Gotcha. If you live, I live. The mask protects you and it protects me. Yeah. Is it foolproof? No, that's why we have masks in varying degrees. I have all these funky looking cloth masks with different fabric, but I have a filter thing that I replace that mm. slipped into it. Mm. You know, every pocket of my trousers, where I'm going, and whether I'm going out into my garden, a guy is coming to meet with me to talk about bricks on, on my lawn or whatever, I have a mask in every pocket. So the, the important thing is that we need to pay attention to our public health people when they say, wear a mask, because it's good. It doesn't, it's not about rights. Viruses don't care about, look, I'm American and I have rights. Who the fuck, I mean, excuse me, my language, who the <laughs> fuck cares? Yeah, 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 I hear you. You know, if you live, I live. Yeah. All the, look, people who are dropping like flies, people who have said, I don't need to wear a mask. Um, Herman Cain goes to the, the Tulsa convention. Yeah, look at us. He's dead now. And there's so many people like that.
yeah. a choir off in Ohio goes off and we don't care. We can, we're going to sing. Five out of 10 of them come down. Mm. Four of them are dead. Uh, we just saw a recent wedding where a Roman Catholic wedding where they thought, oh, we'll get around California. So they went in through the basement, people parked in the uh, underground, etc. The health department comes in and shuts them down too late. Many of them have come down and I don't know if the bride and groom are still alive. Who knows? The reality here for us is it's not about our rights. Or if you, you're right, you, you won't have rights if you're dead. <laughs> yeah, this is, yep, that's a little mic drop you know? point. Yeah. So that's the reality. Yeah. So let's just freaking do the right thing. It's a simple thing. Wear a mask. Yeah. You know, I, I watched a 70-year-old woman have a meltdown at Costco sitting on the floor because she, they told her, you can't come in. You got to wear a mask. She's got the mask in her pocket. Wow. But... She, it's my right. Yeah. So, so the bottom line is, this is simple public health. Yeah. This virus, and look, what, what COVID-19 has done for us in the United States and around the world, men with their wieners who think they're leaders are not leaders. Okay? Because... Well, we're going to do the macho thing. The women who said, yeah, those iron bowls you don't have, I have. Yeah. This is what we're going to do, and we're going to do it. Look at New Zealand. Look at Taiwan. You know, um, you know Angela, Germany, had, they started out, they're, they're having a bit of a slip, but it's the women leaders around the world who have said, what does the science say? Yes. I know the economy is critical. Yes. But listen, we won't have an economy if we don't have people to work in it. Mm. So what comes first? Health. Georgina, Georgina, I always get her name incorrectly, the, head of the, the current head of the International Monetary Fund, said it best. She said, economics has to work with health mm. at this time. And guess what? Health is driving the discussion in this instance, and we're listening. Mm. women leaders all the men are running around and don't let me talk about white men good lord you know it's not about your privilege you're you're being assholes yeah so that's my public health methods it is simple straightforward common sense the health officials they're not interested in in, in, in ruling anybody or controlling your rights. As epi you know, it's, this is the first time ever since I've been an epidemiologist that somebody says, oh, I know what you do. Or I'm, a, I, you know, I'm cautious when I say I'm an epidemiologist and I'm ready to fight. Yes, uh-huh, I'm an epidemiologist. Before people say you're an epi, what, 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 what is that? How do you spell it? What, what did you say you are? You make EpiPens, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we, as a United States of America, and look, we are looking so bad. Yeah. I have colleagues who say, what the heck is going on in your country? Yeah. Do you guys need anything? People call me, are you okay? You need anything? Mm. We, the great America, United States of America, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we look like shit ho- a shithole country. Yeah. You know, I grew up in Japan and wearing masks in Japan, it was like, if you had a cold, this is just what you did for five or six days. It was zero thought. I, I saw people on the subway every morning with masks on. Exactly. It's such a mind fuck to me how we as a country have latched onto this one particular issue as the, the deciding point of our ultimate freedom and American independence. And it's like we're bucking, we're, we're like petulant bullshit. teenagers. It's bullshit. Yeah. And you know what? If we are really serious about maintaining our dominance in the world, we better get it together because we are losing it fast. And it has nothing to do with China. We're doing it to ourselves. Yeah. I went to China in November. I, we knew something was in the offing. Here's, here's my big pet peeve. I'm going to come back with my travel and, and wearing a mask. Sure. My biggest pet peeve with the current president of the United States, apart from the fact my opinion of him is what it is, but I feel that he has forced us into a situation coming for, as an epidemiologist, as a scientist, as a health scientist, I am pissed off because we lost an opportunity to say to the People's Republic of China, stop eating live animals. Stop it. You need to put a stop. The world has lost that opportunity. We had the same issue with SARS. I was going back and forth, passing Hoshin City. Um, I was going from Hong Kong to Southern China. Hoshin City was the epicenter where people were eating. I forget that animal. It's like, um, you know, it's, 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 it's like a large oversized rat. I forgot the name of it, but that's where that's where SARS started and that's where we found the link, the, the animal to human transmission of, uh, uh, that created SARS. Mm-hmm. It's the same scenario with, with, with COVID-19. And what we've lost in this whole thing, the whole um, you know, series of, oh, China started it in a lab, all that bullshit, we have lost the bully pulpit we had to say to the People's Republic of China, stop. And we were almost there. We were negotiating with them. We were talking about live animals, these live animal markets. We're eating animals. We're creating a human animal, animal to human transmission that we need to stop. That's all gone away. Nobody's talking about that. Yeah. That's my major pet peeve and the yeah. failure of leadership in the United States. You know, the other thing is, we knew something was in the offing. I was in Chamin in November. I left Chamin and I went to Scotland. And then in January, I flew to Geneva, to World Health Organization for a meeting. I was beginning to come down with something. I couldn't figure out what it was. I was on that flight. I was masked up. I wore a mask. It was so, I had one of those um, industrial masks from Home Depot and I was wiping everything down. And, you know, the woman sitting next to me says, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm just keeping things clean. She had no, I wasn't going to tell her, you know, you're on a plane. That's, I looked over and a woman on the far left was also masked 
and she was wiping things down. And I looked at her and we did the thumbs like this. Mm. I said, okay, she's going the same place I am and she's got it. Yeah. In January, I left Geneva January 27th. That was when the notification from the WHO came, we're dealing with something. The United States was intelligence briefed. Yet the leadership of this country says, we didn't know anything because you know what? They chose to, chose to ignore it. Yeah. We missed an opportunity. By the time February, March, they're still dickering with it. We lost two, we lost two three months. So this epidemic, pandemic, is uh, a study in leadership on the one level, failure of leadership. Um, it also exemplifies women leaders mm -hmm. and the willingness to say, I got balls, I'm gonna stand by this mm -hmm. and I'll take, I'll, take, I'll, you know, I'll take the hit, but I'll do the right thing by my population, by my people. Right. The third thing is economics is inexorably bound up with health. If the population is healthy, you're economically viable. Mm. If your population ain't healthy, you could open all you want, you could have all the businesses, but you're not economically viable because you're deal depending on these very people to maintain the, the hub of the industry. Mm -hmm. So all these arguments, I, th I really think our leadership of the United States needs to go back to the drawing board mm. and rethink the engagement, who's at the table, and how are we looking at what's in front of us and maintaining our, our, our global edge? We're we have lost it. We can still regain it, but we have to do some work. You know, how long have you been studying diseases for? Probably about 20 years. And I, I would say that to say that I was studying diseases, um, their colleagues, their people who, like, like Anthony Fauci, that's why you must listen to everything he says. If he says jump, jump. If he says run, run. Because people like him, their bread and butter, their waking hours, he's a virologist, a virologist. And he, this is what he lives by. He's Mr. Disease, he can tell you. People like me, I focus on diseases, yes, to knowledge, but I focus on how the social aspects of it, the population's interaction with our knowledge of diseases, and what is it that we do as populations that enhance the transmission, reduce the transmission, or abate, stop, etc. So that whole, that's why this whole, and it's funny that we are in this space. I'm what you call a social epidemiologist. Okay. How social networks mm. impact disease and health right. in populations. How do we balance keeping the virus at bay with our just innate need for social interaction and human touch and human interaction? It, it feels like we had a pretty good hold on it and then the door got opened and everybody ran to the beach and everybody ran to the bar and everybody ran to the club and everybody ran to parties and now we're back at square one. How would you say that we need to balance the two? So fundamentally, we need to prioritize. 
look, we're, we're social beings. Isolation is a problem for many people. But if we begin from the point of this is about my health, so I have to make some sacrifices. It's just like if you want to get a degree, you have to make some sacrifices. You gotta you gotta get the money, you gotta pay to, you gotta go to school, then you have to study, you have to spend time, you can't hang out with your buddy, all of that. We make sacrifices. So and it's it's a behavioral economics issue. What's the trade-off for me? Socializing at the risk of getting sick or even dying, or not socializing for a period of time so that I can have the rest of my life to socialize. Mm. So that's, it's a behavioral economics question. Right. Do, do you think that Americans are just, I'm going to say this in a like uncouth way, but are we just undisciplined? Are we just more like expectant and like, no, but we're American. We, it's, we need to go to the bar. We need to go to the club. We need to do this where it, it felt like other countries had more of a collective like, hey, we're all in this together. Right. And I think you, 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 hit, you hit it on the nail. I, I don't think Americans are, are indisciplined or undisciplined. I think they are selfish. Mm. And they're not, and they're, they think they're selfish because it's more a childish, I want my, my thing, my toy, and I must have it, as opposed to being strategically selfish, whereas, look, I'm going to live. I, I'm here. I got things to do. I'm American. We got bigger fish to fry, but it's, I'm going to take the sacrifice now so that I can beat this thing so that we continue to be. That's strategic selfishness. And that's what Americans need to learn. Okay. You know, that's what the Japanese do. Yeah, for sure. It's very, very, that culture is very uh, collective oriented. Right. People, if you ask five people, is Fauci full of shit or is Fauci a genius? You're going to get five different answers. How do you suggest that people navigate what is real information and what is misinformation, given how often the information even changes from the same source? Okay, let me, let me say, on the subject of Anthony Tony Fauci, I was at the National Institutes of Health as a chief epidemiologist at the Drug Institute for a decade. I didn't work directly with Anthony Fauci. I worked closely with people in, but I worked closely with one of his um, early um, staffers, um, someone, um, Henry Skip Francis, who um, in the early days of HIV, Fauci dropped Skip in the middle of the African jungle in a plastic lab, blah, 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 blah. So hence we learn a lot about HIV. But Tony Fauci, um, he's well known. I would see him. I would always crack up at about a certain time around noon. You'd see this little guy running. He jogged like, I don't know how many miles a day. Total type A. But one thing I heard about Fauci from Skip Francis, because I, I remember we would always have to present to our council and, and, and Francis ran a large group um, at my institute Everybody shows up at the council with all their multiple notes, their pads, and, you know, and he just walks in the room and sits down. And he starts talking. He delivers. He's delivering numbers, statistics, who did what. 
you know, I heard like say, is this guy for real? You know, and one time I said to Skip, Skip, I said, what is it did you do, Skip? How do you do this? He says, you know, I was trained by Tony Fauci. Mm. We could not, when we were giving him briefings, he did not want us to have a notebook. Mm. He wanted our facts. He wanted clarity. He wanted discipline. And that's how he is. So I, from the beginning, my sister would tell you, we would have this discussion. This was back in February when those briefings started. And, and we would look at the constellation of people up there and all the CDCs. And I said to her, there's one thing I know. If Tony Fauci tells you there's a dot on that page, you can't see it, believe it's there. Mm. He has the data. He's thought about it. His, his bench has looked into it. He has the evidence. He doesn't speak lightly. And the other thing I said to her, see that guy from CDC? Don't believe a word he says. You know why? 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 I said, one thing I learned as a young epidemiologist coming up, and this was during the days of needle exchange. The Centers for Disease Control has phenomenal scientists, thoughtful people, but as an organization, it is subject to political manipulation. Hmm. Something that the National Institutes of Health is not. How come? Because they're independent. So you, don't, you don't play with the NIH. It's known, it's na nationally known, globally known, well-respected. It's about data and evidence and science. The CDC brings information, but it's subject to political manipulation because the politicians control CDC and they'll say, well, you know, you should put that report in a different way. Well, I start with needle exchange. Needle exchange programs were not allowed federally because it was felt that, oh, it's those dirty people who are using drugs. The HIV problem that we have persists because of those policies. Uh. So, and don't for, forget hep, hepatitis C that's endemic in our population, etc. So, it's CDC is subject to political manipulation, political will, and we see it. We saw it right now. CDC has put out stuff. Oh well, you know the president has, and it's and it's it's willy nilly. Now, look at Anthony Fauci. He has never wavered. And he speaks truth to power. He'll get up there. The president will say, oh, yeah, well, don't read it. He says, no, with all due respects. He's not afraid because he's focused on ev it's evidence-based. Yeah. If Fauci says something, believe it. Okay. I believe all you. Conspiracy theories. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the struggles so many people have, or they're letting it be the excuse yes. behind which they can exercise their teenage exactly. influence. Like, well, I don't know. It's all conspiracy, so I'm not wearing a fucking mask. Right. And they're people, they're actors in our society who create chaos and conspiracy so that they can continue to make money, they can do whatever they do. Those people need to understand... Who's really making money off of this? We aren't. But the people manipulation, manipulating you are. Mm. So when it comes to what Tony Fauci says, I don't care if I'm in asleep 
and he wakes me up and says, Yannette, this thing is blue. This is why we're seeing it's blue. Here's the evidence. I said, yeah, yeah, it's blue. I don't have my glasses on, but Tony, you said it's blue. It's blue. Okay. I'll take that. Yep. You know, what, what scares you about this particular virus? And does it scare you? I know that you've studied a lot of urban health in different areas of the country, or is the, do you look at the country as a whole, or do you look at major cities and major outbreak places? And then I'll follow that up with what scares you about this? Because we're not New Zealand, or we're not Japan, um, um, or we're not even the UK, we are a large country made up of a set of smaller countries called states, mm-hmm. right? And because movement across lines is unrestricted, we have family here, we have family, there's all this, there's a flow. Right. It's not, it's about the whole country, it has to be. It can be one area over here because look, the governor of Ohio was amazing. For a guy, I was impressed. He said early on, this is what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. Ohio is still in a state of disarray because people are coming and going. He made the right call. Great Republican governor, he made the right call. But, you know, so we have to look at the United States in some total. Yeah. What scares me most about this is not the virus. It's about the assholes who won't pay, who won't listen. You know, People, you know, I had to say to somebody, back up. I'm wearing a mask. You're not wearing a mask. Leave me alone. Don't come up into my face. Mm-hmm. Please, please step away. Please step, keep your distance. Well, I'm okay because you're wearing a mask. I said, no, you're not okay. So I'm, I'm scared about how foolish people can be and the conspiracy theories that they, like you said, they, they want to believe because they want to do their own thing. This is not, you know, you can't point at an AK-47 and go, what are, you, what are you pointing at? Right. Viruses don't care. They're, they're, viruses are obligate parasites. They depend on you and your foolishness to live. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the reasons it's such a unique American problem is that our, our answer to most things is throw money, bullets, or effort yeah. at it. And that those three, and throw individualism at it. And this isn't going to be solved by our military, uh, our muscles, and, you know, Bud Light commercials. And we yeah. don't have yeah. else to do. Yeah. You know, as Americans, you, you mentioned three things. Effort, individualism, and money. Those, those can all three be good things when they work well together. Mm. And we, what we're not doing is using them effectively. We're making them seem as detrimental mm. when in fact those are strengths. Yeah. Well, that's my, you know, Do you that's think my we're take gonna on. have a virus, uh, um, a vaccine? We will have a vaccine. It will come in early to mid 2021, but vaccines are not the answer. Vaccines work in conjunction with multiple, with all these other things we need to be doing. And the thing about vaccines is they fail. Mm. And all the testing, they seem good, 
right now, but people die. So a vaccine will work for certain people, certain groups of people at certain points in time, but they're not full safe and they don't work by themselves. Mm. You know, if you could wave a magic wand, how would you, today, not three months ago, how would you handle this from this day forward? We need to shut down. We need, we can do this now. We can say as a nation, look, we tried everything. We tried going to the beach. We tried pretending it doesn't exist. Um, we tried going to the bar. We tried having weddings. We, we did all this. Okay, let's get real. Let us, what if we did a full total shutdown for a month? Okay, we're not gonna lose money because the reality is America is, continues to be the hub for the world economically. So when the world sees that we are taking the leadership and we're shutting down because this virus is around the world as well. People are gonna follow. And guess what? We're gonna wake up and say, oh, we didn't lose. We still have money. Gold is still ours. We still have our oil. Oh, we have to bite the bullet. Uh, That's where our balls have to show up, our collective balls. And, you know, for people who just argue the economic side of that saying, but like, I own a yoga studio, and if we shut down for a month, I'm done, I'm bankrupt, I'm in the street. How, how do we address yeah. those people? So your yoga, stu- yoga studio, yes, great. But if you have people who are not coming to your yoga studio, who are dead anyway, where are you getting those people from? So it has to be a collective. The banks have to be involved. The whole society, that's where leadership comes. Look, we're not going to collect rent for months. We're not going to get loans. We are the United States. We're shutting everything down. Nobody's do anything. What you can do is you can have virtual. Look, I'm doing my Pilates virtually, and I've told my instructor, I'm not coming back to the studio. Don't look at me. This is how we're doing it. And it's beautiful. We are, I, we're having so many virtual meetings. We can do this. You know, my, my, my adopted son, he's going to school virtually and the kid's acing. I mean, I'm talking to him. We're having these conversations about history and science. And I think he's smarter. <laughs> so we can do this. You know, does anything, do you have faith in anything around this virus or has it shifted anything positively, policy-wise, socially-wise, social-wise, culturally that, that you're excited about or have have a glimmer of hope about so on the positive side as a scientist it's all it's really enhanced for science for epidemiology in particular where people know what epidemiology is we will everybody will know what epidemiology is. <laughs> and by by the time this is over there are a number of young people kids who are going to be become epidemiologists so there's there's that benefit um, we also are able to assess true leadership. And though you are in leadership in the leadership realm, as you teach and engage people around leadership, leadership requires bowls and it requires using those bowls. Mm. So there, in spite of all this gloominess, there are lots of um, 
you know, next generation, a lot of things that we can take as a gardener, I see them, you know, um, fertilizers, bits and pieces of things, naturalistic things that we can use to, 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 to allow our garden to thrive and to build. And there are these spots of that happening. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel that those are the things that will enhance us and keep us, keep us viable in spite of the nonsensical conspiracy theories and the lack of leadership. There's so many people standing up and coming to the fore. Leaders, people who didn't realize they had it in them. They're the, the, the unacclaimed, nondescript leaders in communities around. There's a lot of that happening. And I think that when this dust all clears, the survivors will be some awesome people. Wow. Appreciate that. This has been said, the virus has been said to be hitting different communities at different levels or with different impact. To someone who's studied the impact of disease on urban health, how, do the, how, do the, how does the Black community, how do the Hispanic community, and the, how do we differ and how do we help bring the communities that are suffering harder more, more resources or, or more impact? One of the big things about this virus in the United States and around the world, it has exposed the inequities and inequalities that exist, social, health, economic. And it has really, and, and in fact, I'm, I'm involved in uh, right now, uh, um, it's due on the 10th of August, writing with a bunch of colleagues around, uh, 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 colleagues, um, I'm the lead author on um, a policy brief for the G20, the Think 20 that, that informs the G20 for policy on health as a global public good. Mm. And really it's forcing us to realize that economic inequality is inexorably bound up with the health of a population. And it's all well and good to say it's that tribe over there that's affected and that tribe over there that's affected. It's not us, but you are dependent on that tribe over there and that tribe over there to allow you to be economically secure. So it's something that we, it's been exposed. Thing People like me, we've been talking about that for decades and writing, you could go to the literature, it's, it's, it's a wash with this. Mm -hmm. But it sounds morbid, but the excitement that we're seeing, my colleagues and I are talking about is, man, this is blowing this open. It's showing us nationally and globally why what we've been saying has to be addressed. That's why the IMF is involved in, in looking at this. The World Bank, the, the WHO. Um, this is, this is the, the, the head of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, recently said, spoke about this. This is what we have to address. And the tendency for us in the United States is to say, oh, it's those black people over there. Okay, they're more affected because they have underlying health conditions because of the, the health inequalities, the economic inequalities, diabetes, et cetera. But guess what? And the virus said, yeah, I'm impacting them and I'm coming for you too. And I'm in your, in your space too. So we're all impacted. And what I think if people are sensible and if they would stop 
and say, you know what? It's showing that we're all interconnected and some people are disproportionately affected because of existing underlying inequalities and inequities, but it's also impacting me. Mm. And if they don't live, I'm impacted. If I don't live, they're impacted. Right. Yet how come we didn't see, as a health person, how come I was super, when it's all hit, I was like, amazing. America's now going to wake up and realize that heart disease, diabetes, cancer, all the things that were still killing us in record absurd numbers haven't gone away, but they're all precursors to this. Now we're going to see a big campaign in the U.S. to eat more vegetables, to do more exercise, you know, to meditate and journal. I was like, it's coming. And uh, it didn't come. Uh, I'm, I'm still waiting for it. How come we didn't adopt a, oh my God, this is a health issue. Let's focus on our health mentality. For the same reason that we have people who would rather say, man, the virus isn't going to affect me. I'm going to the bar. Um, and anyway, that Fauci guy is talking a lot of nonsense because this guy over here said it's just conspiracy <laughs> because we want to believe what we want to believe. Leave me alone. I just want to do my thing. Mm. Okay. So there, but however, Traver, there are going to be people who say, shoot, I got to eat more healthy and make sure my children do. So you're going to get these clusters, these amazing clusters of people doing the right thing. Gotcha. And how do you see this shifting us socially long-term? Like I've seen uh, groups of people hiring a school teacher, like parents saying, Hey, I'm not sending my kids back to school. We're going to do like a private neighborhood school. I was just at a guy's house the other night. who's like growing all his own vegetables. How do you see us culturally shifting from this? Or do you? Is it so like, culturally, oh, let's get back to normal? I, I don't see it as a total shift. I see it as, you know, um, you know, the United States, I was listening to a talk given by former President um, Barack Obama, and he was talking, and my, my um, adopted son recently repeated that phrase to me when I was talking, and we were talking about um, Chelsea. We were talking soccer. We follow soccer and um, the rebuilding of a soccer team in Chelsea anyway. But he used the phrase, he said to me, well, remember President Obama said, like it is, it's like America, America's a work in progress. So um, <laughs> the point is, it's true. We, the United States of America, our greatness lies in the fact that we're a work in progress. Uh. The continued greatness lies in our recognizing that being honest, continuing to be honest about that and working towards it. Okay. And that's why I, where I see these clusters, like your friend, I'm going to send my kid to a neighborhood school or whatever. Not everybody's going to do that. They're going to be clusters of people who do that. But these clusters together, it's like a quilt. That's one patch. There's another patch here. And the leadership, the role of our leadership at the municipal, at the local, and the, and the national levels will be to knit that. So you're going to find, I think, the biggest thing will come in leadership at the, at the local levels, 
in our communities, mm -hmm. in our municipalities, in our counties. You know, we're going to, uh, phenomenal leadership is, is, is cropping up at those levels in cities. Um, and it's going to force the national, it's going to mm -hmm. come up, force the national change. Look, we listen to you guys, we learn. As communities, every, it's all hands on deck. Right. We all have, we're all in this. Right. And I, I'm an optimist, an eternal optimist, and I think that that's where we, the excitement, we're going to really, that's where the change is going to happen. But, yeah. you know, it, it's, Rome wasn't built in a day. Right. We are a work in progress. But the beauty of being an American and, and, and is that we worked, we, flaws and all, we got a lot of warts, yeah. but we're constantly working to mitigate those warts. You know, do you see a return? If, if I look at the basis of health, you know, it seems like it's, it's stick to basics and you're, you're pretty well taken care of how you eat, how you move, how you express yourself. Do you have stress reduction? Do you have too much stress? How are your relationships? Uh, do you see us returning to any of that? Or do you see that we're almost too far gone now that we follow Instagram rather than epidemiologists? Well, I, <laughs> I would love I, to see you famous, like Yannette Thomas, 10 million no. Instagram followers. But you know what? <laughs> you know, uneasy lies had to break the crown, right? Um, <laughs> but I think, Trevor, it's going to be a combination. And even those Instagram followers, those young people, I, I really do have faith in this current generation, they're, 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 and what they do with it. Using Instagram to better each other. I mean, I, I'm crazy about TikTok. And I, I, <laughs> I would, I, I, the first time I encountered TikTok, it was like three hours later. And I was like, oh my God, have I been on this this long? <laughs> In awe of the creativity that people have. Yeah. how they're able to use their knowledge and on the spot there's a guy who says are you hungry let's eat." he puts together a meal and he shows you, you can do it in a minute now he's gonna have a whole bunch of people doing the same thing right so it's what we do with these tools mm -hmm. I, I so to answer your question there's gonna always be a flock of people who think bear is is the number one food group the only food group, and that's what I'm doing, right? Right, right, right. Meat and beer, yeah. Meat and beer, you know. Perfect. I mean, I personally think bacon should be a food group. But, yeah. right, you know. I'm with you. So, so there are those people who, but more people, what this pandemic has done, more people are baking. Mm -hmm. Flour is scarce. Mm -hmm. More people are cooking. People are, are planting vegetables in a pot over here and a pot over there. Right. That's not going to go away. Right, I agree. <clears throat> So that's my, my, I'm really optimistic about that okay. and how individual groups of people, and it becomes catchy. And with these young people, if they get it, it's on TikTok and I can plant this and I can do this. You have master classes in gardening, which you didn't have before. Right. A lot of it is going to stick. But then there are those going to be who, you know, um, but I think leadership, national leadership, really has to, to move with this to, mm. to keep us in that frame. That said, I think lo local leadership is going to force the change and the focus in national leadership on this. 
Yeah, it feels like local government can shift the local culture. Yes. Like, hey, everybody in this town, we yeah. want you all to have a garden. We yeah. want you all out walking. We want you yeah. all doing push-ups. We want you all supporting each other. And it, give people incentives to do it. How would they be incentivized? Well, incentives could come in multiple ways. We're willing to give you um, your first plot. We're willing to support, if you come together as a community, we're going to cover, we're going to give you that land. We're going to give the space. We're going to give you rebates. Yeah. We're going to help you, you know, whatever. You know, the county is going to make um, three Saturdays a month. You can get free mulch, mm. you know, because we have all this stuff. Right. You know, my local county, um, Prince George's County, a woman executive. Um, she, <laughs> I'm feeling a theme here. Oh, come on. Women are killing it. <laughs> so, um, you know, she has this thing where, you know, about recycling and, and, and making it fun and, and, and the incentives. I'm like, this is damn good. Everybody's recycling. This, you know, blah, blah, blah. So incentivize it. It doesn't have to be monetary. Quid pro quo, make that a, a good statement. Um, you know, you, the county has days when you can go and get free mulch. Mm. Just some little push and a little bit of a yes. help. Yeah. There's a lot we can do to incentivize. We are creative people. Yeah, I agree. I remember uh, walking to school in Japan in the mornings and seeing entire companies yeah. on the like parking lot exercising together. Yeah. Exactly. It's doable. It's just letting go of this idea that anything for the collective is a takeaway from the individual. Well, here's what we can do. We can say to people, you're individual individualistic, great. But recognize as an individual, if you do this, you're not, don't worry about you doing it for the group, you're doing it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And as individuals, we want our families to have everything we want to. So that's part of the individualistic. So if, if we can convince people that it's really about you yeah, while you're doing the collective. Mm. We win. Yeah. Yeah. Last question. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but this is kind of a loaded one. Mm -hmm. How long do you see us dealing with COVID for in the, in the U.S.? Or I guess worldwide? I really do think for the next two years, we're not going to, we, we can, listen, I've been saying this since March, 2020 is a wash. Mm -hmm. um, but the way, the way we handle 2020 is going to determine how quickly we get out of it in 2021. Gotcha. And we in the United States haven't done a great job with 2020. We can still make up, but this is for the next two years, we're going to be dealing with this. Yeah. Here's the most, this is like a horrible question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If the vaccine came out tomorrow, would you get it? I would have to fully understand what, what were the results from the clinical trials? Mm. How many people were involved in the clinical trials? How many people died? What were the characteristics of the pe those people in the clinical trials? How they matched up with me? You know, I would ask all these questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think everyone who hears that goes immediately to emotional. Like, yeah. no one's going to make me do it. And I love how your science brain was just like, I'll just need to know these 752 variables before I agree to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so the, that said, there, there look, there's some promising looks happening. Yeah. Um, only one clinical trial I'm aware of where somebody died. 
or two people died. And those, those people really, they are courageous and we appreciate people like that who put themselves on the line um, for the betterment of, of the flock. So it looks very promising. I hope that we are not in a situation where, you know, it's like the flu, vi- flu vaccine. It's elusive. You mm-hmm. know, there are times when what's the point of taking it because it's not covering. It's a, right, right. So the question is um, what kind of coverage we have. And also, fortunately, we have not seen any significant mutations out of COVID-19. So that's a good sign. Good. Um, so it's pro- all I can say is it's promising. Okay. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. You know, it, it, you, I don't think you have a big public uh, no, footprint, but if people, do you want people to be able to find you? I guess is a better question than where can people find you? Of course. I shared my um, social media handles with um, um, your, 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 Melina. And, um, uh, so she has all of those and okay. you feel free to link them to your podcast. Thank you. And, um, you know, I just had, a, 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 my website is up, you thomasphd.com. And so, um, you know, I'm always happy to engage with people, but, Amazing. you know, as scientists, we, we, we're focused on answering those 750 questions. Right? Yeah. You guys don't contact this woman. She has way more important <laughs> shit to do. No, no, I'm not saying that. Question. No, no, I'm a social epidemiologist. So I'm really interested in how people are seeing this and what they perceive. So I'm, I'd love to hear from people. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. And I know your time is extremely valuable and for, for sharing and for always giving me a little bit of a hard time every time. Yes. We talk. And we'll talk about that shark thing. It was magic, right? Who in the middle of a pandemic goes shark diving? Well, right? Yes, you need to tell me a little bit about, um, and we can talk offline. I want to know what the sharks look like, how it felt. It um, and, you know, because I do follow a lot of shark documentaries. And, yeah. um, and there's this great guy who, who puts um, cameras on animals. And he just did some cameras and some, some seals off the West Coast. And uh, to watch the great whites, them elude the great whites, was amazing. Yeah. So um, I'm always curious. Beautiful. Have a great rest of your day. I adore you. I'll Thank chat you. with you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.